Well, let's pray before we get started tonight. Amen? All right. Father, we just come before you tonight. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you have anointed the words that I will say tonight. Father, that you have prepared them, Father, not just in this service, Father, but in our time together. You've told me where you want to go and what you'd like to do. I just give you permission. Do what you will. I'm yielded to you tonight, Father, for I am completely centered, surrendered in you to do your work and not my own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, surrender is a part of our life. I've been starting to practice it at a different level. Um, I'm, you may have heard me say this before, but we've always sang the hymn, I Surrender All. But I think oftentimes some of us only sing, I Surrender Some. I surrender some. I surrender some. Some to you I give. Anna. I surrender only what I want. So, surrendering is a continual part of our life. Um, we're seeing in revival that there's a seeking and a finding that we've done. This is the third week for some of us. If this is your first week, raise your hand. First weekers? Okay, a couple back there. All right, well, I'm going to review just a little bit. It's good for the new ones, but it's also good for us to remember because revival is something bigger than just a one-week title. I don't mean that bad. There's a lot to it. It's not just a one-and-done thing and you're revived. There's a process to revival that happens in our life. So it's, we found out over the last couple weeks that it's nothing that we ourselves can manufacture. We can't make revival happen. That it is not a meeting that man creates or that we attend. But it is a divine move of the Holy Spirit. It is initiated by God. It brings good news, which is salvation to you and I, as well as once you and I have a personal revival, it can go into our families where there's more people saved, into our workplaces, into our cities, and into our nation. But revival begins in the heart of you and I. It doesn't start at a national level and work its way down to man. God used man to do his will and his plan. So you have to be the one that is initiated by God to do this grand work. Not only does it bring salvation, but with salvation becomes a deep conviction. We found out last week that conviction is not bad. Conviction is good. God wants us to feel a godly sorrow, not a condemnative nature, not one that walks around like, oh, I'm just worth nothing because I keep messing up, but one that says, I am forgiven because Christ went to Calvary for me, and because of it, I have received redemption, and I am all that he says I am. And devil, when you try to remind me of my past, I'm going to remind you of your future, because you don't get to hold me back any longer, okay? So deep conviction, which brings a repentance, not a verbal repentance only, but a repentance that brings about the true change in the heart of man. And I'm going to tell you that true repentance, not done in word, Amen. cannot, only done in word, cannot be done if you're not seeking and praying with the Lord. Amen. You will never turn into this beautiful creation that God has for you to be because the transforming work comes from 
the written word of God and his grace to do what you do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So if the two are not mixed, there will never be a genuine change and a genuine transforming or a metamorphosis of who you were into what he wants you to be. Revival. The word revival meant that it's a reviving. It's an inflow, a restoring of once what was. So we know that we could be revived. We could be living in a revived state right now, right? That I'm alive. I know what I'm doing. But come three, four months, I could need reviving. Because you have to have it before you can lose it. So you need a re storing a reviving okay so we know that it's something we have to keep we know that it's something that what we did last week we learned that when we repent in second revel in revelations second chapter four through five we learned that the one thing that god had against the church in revelation which was the church of end time there were seven churches in the church of ephesus the one thing he had against them was they had forsaken or forgotten their first love so they had to return back to what we did in the beginning. What do we do in the beginning of our relationship with Christ? But seek and pray. Find where he is. Reveal, read his word. And be, let the Holy Spirit begin the transforming work in our lives. Right? And we learned that there's a repercussion. That if we don't return back to what you and I know. And I'd just like to say that everyone under the sound of my voice tonight. You are now held accountable that you know. There's a law of accountability with the church and the Bible and God. You don't get it just a free card and you get to do what you want because you ask Christ to ask you to forgive you and now I'm okay. That's not how it works. There's an accountability process in the kingdom, right? Line upon line, process upon process. This is what we do. But here's the deal. If we don't return back and we lose that first love and we're found in the end age, God says, I'll remove your lampstand as a church. I'll remove your opportunity to tell your family and them here. I'll remove the opportunity that the people at your workplace will see. Because see, if I allow them to see a light in you, they'll think that the standard you're living is the standard I require. That's not what it is. See, so I want to talk to you tonight. I want to go to a third step in revival. It's a huge step. Because oftentimes when there's a seeking and a praying, and a genuine repentance in man, there's a recovery of the biblical truth of what's in here. A recovery of biblical truth. Now you think, Nicole, I already know. But listen, we remember, we learned that you could be coming to church every week. You could be sitting in these seats. You could be volunteering. You might be on the medical team. You might be on the small group leadership team. And you could still be unconscious in the spirit. You could be going through the motions. And when the word is being read, it's just right over you. You walk in the same, you leave the same. You walk in with the problem, you leave with the problem. You and your wife have been struggling over the same exact problem for 13 years. Yet you repent and say you've changed. Now listen, I'm just, I'm hitting it hard right now, but I'm being real with you. Because if you, we don't understand what true reviving means and the spirit of revival that God wants to bring to the church, there is no way 
that any nation will look at the church and say, we want what they are. They don't want a dead God. They don't want a sickness that they can't get rid of that neither can the church. They don't want a church that is powerless and rendered fearful without any, any, any confidence in what the word says. None, none. They don't want it. They want a supernatural, super spiritual God that knows that he loves them beyond reason. But if you and I don't know it, because we're so dry and we're so brittle. The other day I walked outside. I've got these just gone rogue tomato plants. Didn't plant them, but we have a composter. And you take all these good things, you throw them in the composter, at the end of the year it all turns black, and you use that in flower pots, I thought. I don't think that's a good idea anymore. All of a sudden, 12, 15, I'm talking, my flower beds are filled with tomatoes. I'm like, what has happened? Like, they're crazy, right? They're everywhere. And Randy's, and I told Randy, I said, I'm just letting you know, you said no to a garden, look what the Lord did. He said no, the Lord said, yes, Nicole, you can have a garden. Except, I walked out the other day, and it had been 84 degrees. And I saw my tomato plants, and they were all like shriveled up, but yet there were yellow blooms and there's still some red tomatoes and there's still some green tomatoes on there. And I'm like, oh Lord, you need some water. So immediately I get the rain bucket out. I'm like, oh, start pouring it on there. Listen, I'm talking in minutes. They started sucking up that water, drinking it. Imagine what the true living water that is forever, that only God can deliver, could do to a dry and thirsty soul. I'm here to say that you don't have to be withered. You don't have to stay in the day of your old. You don't have to be sick and diseased in your body. You don't have to be rendered powerless. That the living water that God gives will pour drink into your soul and you will be revived and know that what he said in his word is true and start using it and stop operating in his word. Pastor Philip talked about holiness and sanctification. We learned last week that one of the greatest revivals of our human history ever to walk this earth started in a man and a wife named Zachariah and Elizabeth. But there were things that were found in their life. They were found walking with God. Walking with him. That means they saw what he saw. They heard what he heard. What moved his heart moved theirs. They were in sync with God. It said that they were blameless. Blameless. I mean, they lived a holy lifestyle. You and I are called to that holiness. You and I are called to be set apart because God wants to use us to do his work. And if we do and prepare the atmosphere, prepare our hearts, prepare the heart, the soil of what we have for God's word, when it comes, it will change us. It will change our families. It will change our workplace. And I promise you, our nation will be changed. But it starts with you and I. Tonight we focus on recovering the biblical truth. I mentioned this the first week, that when you were first saved, the pastor would read the scripture and your heart would light up like it was illuminated to you. You could understand, you could see anything he said. You were hanging on the very scripture like, where was that? I need to highlight that. 
You ever seen that? The highlighted Bible, right? It's got everything in it, right? And then as we age as Christians, you know, we, we got to have a new Bible because we can't find quite what we need. And then we don't quite highlight anymore. And we might not have that life scripture on every single page of our Bible, right? Why is that? Because we become spiritually dull. Our spiritual receptivity gets dull over time. And remember, this is what the enemy does to us. He comes to steal the word and its truth immediately. Immediately. God's word is the only standard that we live by. It is absolute. It's the book of all books. It's infallible. I don't care if you say, well, I can find where it contradicts. Don't care. It is infallible. It's in there for a reason. I don't know why. I don't have to have all the answers. I know that I believe it is the absolute infallible word of God, no matter what any man says. It is non-changing. It is trustworthy. It is sure. It is literally the words of God himself. And it is the only thing in this world that is the truth, the only truth. So help me God. Amen. Here, here's the deal. The Bible doesn't need you and I or our experiences to qualify it as truth. You understand that? If you pray the prayer of faith and it don't work like you think it should work, that doesn't matter. It's still truth. It's still truth. Your experience does not qualify whether it works or not. You and I, see, the word itself without man is perfect. But when man gets involved in speaking sometimes the word, it gets a little messy. It gets a little messy. The word is absolute as it is. As it is. See, life, life, God's life, comes to individuals in our lives by speaking truth. Truth. That's how life comes to a man's life. The life of God, by speaking truth, comes alive in a man. Not you speaking your truth, but speaking the truth. The truth. See, we as a church have to restore the conscious state and receive the word. Because a lot of us are sleeping in our pews. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I'm going to read this off the screen, I think, today. This is the KJV that, for those of you, I'm going to jump around a little bit. It says, for this cause also we, God, with, we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, this is Paul writing to the church. When you heard of us disciples, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now here's the point. He said something really smart here. Because when you and I receive the word as it is, these words are not of man, but they're of God. When we accept these truths as infallible, and we're awake when we hear them, they're unshakable, unchangeable, and it's God's standard. We know that the word says in Luke <clears throat> that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Do you understand that even when we're in heaven, this will still be? 
a new heaven and a new earth because what's there now is going to pass away but there will be something new established but God's word will not change for you and I it never does when God revives a man's spirit and brings revival a man receives the word ready for this with readiness with readiness and I'm going to show you that in Acts 17 11. here's what it says they receive the word with readiness of mind readiness of mind they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so in other words they took what the pastor said what Paul and all the rest of the disciples were saying and they said you know what or the teachers back then I'll say that because they were not the 12 disciples no long story anyways the people that were teaching they wouldn't just believe what they said they read it for themselves and searched the scriptures because when they needed to know that it was not of man and that it was of God that was speaking the scripture but when they heard it they were ready ready the last time we heard the word did we walk away in the word not change us did we walk away and not remember what was spoke did we count it valuable did we realize that this was literally God speaking to you and I because I think over time the enemy has stolen the value of the Word of God in the believers life we believe our experiences over what the Bible says well I did that and that didn't work I don't care do it again I don't care do it again I'm telling you God does not fail God does not fail his people he said he would never never leave us he will not leave us begging for bread so I don't care if you didn't have a dollar then you should have walked a minute further you'd have found one I don't know what to tell you I know that God's Word is true no matter what and I am fully persuaded that he is and it is the absolute truth and there is no man that can tell me any different and we've got to get to the point that we truly believe that because there could come a day and an age that the only thing you have is the Word of God to stand on do we understand that church a readiness to search the scriptures when there's a recovery or a restoring or a returning back to the original state of what we are and there's an, a consciousness that that comes back awake it brings a sanctification and a new level of holiness because you really believe that what God said he will do he'll do he'll do now I'm gonna tell you God is that of a loving God he is an amazing God but he is bound by his word and as loving as that God is he can't go out of his boundary and love you if you don't keep his commandments do you understand that if you don't keep his commandments he can't give you what the next verse says if you don't do that he can't because he bounds by his word do you understand that do you realize that sin brings judgment not just God's judgment it brings death in our lives so if we sin it doesn't matter how much love is in here there's death if you don't repent for your sin he's bound by his word it's beautiful because if he wasn't he'd just send down fire and burn us all up do you get that but he's not because after Jesus came 
Jesus is like, no, 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 Lord, you can't do that no more. <laughs> I came, I paid the price for their sin, and now I am the advocate. I'm the one who came and stood in their place. It's because of the blood of me, the sacrifice, that they are now clear. They are made righteous because of me. Because I took on all that they've done already, Lord. You have to forgive them and move forward. And God's like, yep, you're right. You realize that? He sits at the right hand of him. I think that's because sometimes God needs reminded. Don't get mad. They're acting like a bunch of dummies, but that's all right. I got this. There's a reason the book is called the Holy Bible. Do we read it with the same respect we used to? Do we cherish and write it in our hearts for the future so that when we're in struggle, that's the first thing that comes out? Because it's a sure sign that revival is happening in your heart when the Word holds a special place and you believe every ounce of it, whether man does or don't. Doesn't matter. God says marriage is between a man and a woman. It's between a man and a woman. I don't care what your experience is. I don't care what you feel. I don't care how you were born. What I'm telling you is, God says it's between a man and a woman. And that is truth. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean that I'm, not, that I'm gonna say you're an evil person for what you're doing. You know what, you have a choice to do what you want in life. But I'll be truth. I will tell you God's word and his truth so that you can make your own decision. Amen. But once you make decision, your blood's off of my hands. Amen. And I love you where you are. Amen. That's just the bottom line of who we are. But there comes a time that truth is being extracted, extracted from our nation. And you and I as Christians must know the truth. Amen. Know the truth. We must know God at a deeper level because I'm telling you, your truth is going to be challenged. Your truth is going to be tried to be shaken. And whatever is not written on your heart, you're going to be searching for. And I'm telling you, there might not be enough time to search to find out what's right. There comes a time that you got to know that the biblical truth has to be restored in man and woman's heart. And that you got to know that you know that you know because you have a relationship of seeking and finding the Lord. And I walk with Jesus so I understand what he thinks. I know how he acts. I know how he responds, and that's not truth. Amen. That's not truth. Amen. How we receive the word in our life is everything. The true recovery of biblical truth will produce fruit. Produce fruit, and I'm going to show you that. So we're going to read in Matthew. I'm going to read this out of the NIV um, because it's more of a story. And you can just listen if you would like. I'll just tell you the story. This is a parable of the sower. And there's multiple different ones, the scattering seed and the farmer. I'm telling the one of the word, okay? So it's Matthew 13, 18th verse I'm going to start in. It says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When everyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. So I'm sowing things in your heart right now. Words are sown like seeds. We know in the Bible that words are likened to a seed in the kingdom. This is how the whole kingdom process works. Okay? So I'm sowing right now. There's things you don't understand. The things you don't understand, know this, the devil immediately comes to snatch. Immediately comes to take them out. This is the seed sown along the path. 
The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. You're joyful tonight. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is good. It's getting good. I'm getting it, Nicole, I'm getting it. But since they have no root, no depth, no relationship founded in God, no root of understanding his love for their life. We know that we're rooted in love. We're rooted in God. We're rooted in understanding how much he loves us. They last only a short time. A short time. And when trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they fall away. They fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil, one who has its heart prepared because we've been praying and seeking, we're repented, we're righteous, our lives are full of Christ without sin. We are blameless like Elizabeth, right? When this is us, our heart soil is good and it can receive the word with readiness. And when the seed or the word falls on that heart, listen to this, it refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Amen. Meaning that I'm giving you a word now, but this word is going to go home and in the soil of your heart, your spiritual soil, it's going to begin to grow. Your idea of revival is going to grow. You're going to start to be anxious. You're going to be like, oh my goodness. Oh, but what about this? Nicole didn't say this, but look in the scripture. I see this. This is revival. This is revival. This can happen. God's going to begin to do a work. Some of you are going to 30-fold. Some of you are going to 60-fold. Some of you are going to get a 100-fold return. And your lives are going to be supernaturally changed from this message because your heart was made ready. Because you'd been spending time seeking and searching after God, not after the things of the world. You had made your heart soil ready to receive and then it produced action in your life and fruit. I think the church sometimes gets fed a lot of food. And I think spiritually we might look like Thanksgiving dinner. I think we all might just be laying back in our lazy boy with the football game on, in our carb high, because we had noodles, mashed potatoes, rolls. Oh, and then that trip, is it tryptophan? And the turkey starts taking over and you get a little sleepy. You really don't care who wins the game. You just want to sleep, wake up, sleep, wake up. And then you want to go back for a piece of pumpkin pie. Is it possible we've gotten too fat on the word? That we're so fat that we're not producing anything anymore? Because we think we know, because our lives with Christ are really working out. We're good. 
you know, our bills are paid now, our kids are kind of raised, they're on their own, they're making their good decisions. And you know, we, we get to go on a couple vacations a year and God's just good, no one's sick. And then life happens, but you're found in the lazy boy chair and you've been one of the other seeds in the beginning and the heart that received it, but it fell on stony ground. Had joy the moment you heard it. When Pastor Dosik said it on Sunday, you're like, yeah, we're changing our lives. By the time you got down to Azteca and ate your lunch, it was over. No, I'm, I'm talking straight up. See, we have to purpose in our heart to be ready to receive it. Receive it. Recovery. Recovery and restorations mean you once had it. If you're going to recover biblical truth, you once had truth and it's taken from you. Do you understand the devil has come to take your truth? He's come to take the power of truth from the Bible so you don't believe it. And give you an experience that goes contrary to what this book says so that you will believe your experience instead of the Bible. God, we got to shake ourselves. We got to shake ourselves because I'm telling you, it's time that we as a generation regain something that's been lost for the sake of the next generation. The next generation hasn't even heard the truth. The generation that we're dealing with now, my kids, listen, they haven't never heard, ready yourselves, you might have to die for the gospel. I'm telling you, my mom used to remind me every night, you know you can die tonight and you're going to go straight to hell. No, I'm serious. There wasn't a night I didn't repent. Every time I went to see my grandmother, the very first thing she told me, you know the Lord's coming back. Grandma, yes, I know, I know, I know. Because holiness and living a sanctified life and having our lives right because he could come at any time, any hour, any minute was important. Why? Because she believed the truth of the Bible. She believed the written word of God. I'm telling you that what's contained in this book, we have to stop looking at man's experience and start looking to the word of God. It's time that you and I, you and I, write these things up on our hearts. Listen, the Bible says that not only did they, he tell them to write it up on their heart, he said, you need to tell your children. You need to tell your children when you're sitting down. Tell your children when you're walking away. When you lay down at night. When you get up in the morning. Write them on your hands. Tie them about your arms. Listen, it was important that you remember, remember, remember the truth that you have been taught. The truth. Not what your neighbor told you. Not what a man of God told you. Not what this person told you. Not what the doctor told you. Not what the scientist told you. Not what your school professor told you. But what the Bible told you. Come back to the truth. Come back to what is right. To believe every single word of it. I believe when Jesus part, when God parted the Red Sea and they headed across, listen to me, you can't tell me that they misprinted the Bible and said it was the R-E-D-D-C. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. I watched a whole scientific documentary on National Geographic how parting the Red Sea was impossible, but there is a R-E-D-D-C that's in the same location that once a year it evaporates down to where you could travel across it. 
let me tell you something, then where did all the water come that swallowed up the Egyptians? And these are scientists writing National Geographic and I knew it wasn't true. Listen, they're going to become starting to, to come against every truth that was ever there. They're going to try to misprove everything that the Bible says. Write it on your heart. Amen. Teach your children. Don't take by chance that they're going to learn it themselves in Sunday school. Write it on their hearts. Tell them what they are. Tell them who God says they are. Tell them wrong from right. When they rise up, when they go to bed, when you walk with them, when you sit with them, do it to yourself. I'm telling you, you've got to write the word upon your heart. It's time. I finish with this, and I don't like to finish on a low note. I don't. But Hosea 4.6. I don't want to be ignorant or destroyed by the culture around me and the enemy. The culture that I'm in right now is evil. It is ruled by the man of this world, and that is the devil. This is his arena. I'm just simply passing through. But Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The knowledge is present. But he's calling us back to take a drink. Is it possible that you and I are producing less fruit than we used to? And our little leaves are shriveled like my tomato plants, and I was thirsty, and they're tired, and all they need is a drink of the spiritual living water of God. Because if that's it, church, we got to drink. We got to get ourselves ready, because I'm telling you, there comes a day and an hour that man cannot work. And that doesn't mean go to your job. That means there's a process of God happening in your life that's making a process in you, that's readying you for the bridegroom. And when he comes, no one knows the day nor the hour. Some versions that were wise showed up with oil. The oil represented the Holy Spirit, the work that the Holy Spirit had done in their lives over time. Over time. Over time. Take an olive. I dare you. Step on it and see how much oil you get out. This is why oil for lamps were so expensive back then, because the process it took to suck that oil out of that olive was a very long, painstaking process. You and I are the olive. You and I are being crushed. Our flesh is being crushed, and the spirit is being poured out. And that spirit, that process, is what we put in our lamps to wait for God, for his return. But will we be ready? Will we work now while we can? Or will we be like the six unwise that showed up with nothing prepared? I'm telling you, church, God is coming back. And you and I must prepare ourselves. We must prepare our lamps, trim our wicks, make sure there's no dirtiness in our life. Fill it with the oil. Take the time that it takes to seek and sit at his feet and stay at a place where you are revived constantly. That when revival comes, you're smack dab in the middle. Smack dab in the middle. I don't want to be left out. I want to be in it. 
I want to be a part of the end time revival church that shakes this nation apart. But if we are not prepared, I promise you, it will pass you by. Because we'll be out buying oil trying to get prepared. Let's ready ourselves. Ready ourselves. So next week, that's my low note. I know, I know. It's hopeful when we do it, right? But still workful. I get it, I get it. But let me tell you something. God won't ask you to do more. He, he won't put on you more than you can handle. And all you have to do is when you think you're at the end of yourself, just ask for help. Just ask for help. That's what he does. I'm not changed because I do more and do it better. I'm changed by his grace. It's his work in me that transforms. So don't get all somber on me, but you do have to read your Bible and you do have to pray and you do have to make sure your life's right with God. But after you do that for so many years, it gets really easy. I'm just telling you. Next week, I'm going to finish revival and we're going to talk on a renewed sense of his presence and his power that happens. When you awake from an unconscious state and you're revived, you're very sensitive to the spirit. In worship service, you feel him. You sense him moving. You're aware of his voice and how he moves. But you're also aware of the power and the love and the life that he gives to everybody. And following revival comes an outbreak of the Holy Spirit and the nine gifts that he gives to every believer here. There's a demonstration of God's power. Who wants a powerful God that never demonstrates it? God left that for you and I to demonstrate. And he's waiting to revive us so we can. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I know that I delivered a sure word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that it would trickle in the hearts of the believer tonight. But, Father, begin to break down thought patterns that the world has placed in our heart. Father, places that the world has crept into our thinking. Father, begin to wash over us and break those down, Father, so that we can see clear biblical truth. Father, where it's become clouded, Father, because of uh, peacemaking or whatever you want to call that. Father, I ask you that you remove that and break it off of us. Father, that the standard of what you have set would be the Christian standard in this world today. Father, it starts in our own lives, trickles to our family, goes to our jobs, into our cities, and it will transform our nation. Father, hear us, O God. We seek and cry out, Father, for you. We humble ourselves before you. Father, if there be any wicked way in us, Father, we want to turn from those ways and accept your ways, Father, that your work could be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Father, we surrender ourselves to you. We submit our will to you. Use us this week, God, for your glory. And God, this word that's been sown tonight, Father, I thank you that it brings forth and produces a harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.